You are listening to episode 29 of the Mad Chatters podcast, April 15th, 2015. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> It's time for another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe. My name is Derek, and I'm joined by my fellow hosts, Matthew. Howdy. And Jeremy. He's a tramp. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about two very special, important historical figures at Disney World, the Orange Bird and Figment. If you don't know who those characters are, or if you want to know more about them, you're definitely going to want, want to stay tuned for today's episode. If you don't, just turn it off now. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We will see you next week. You probably won't like anything <laughs> that we ever do. <laughs> but before we get to that, let's talk about some stuff that's been happening at the parks and around the Disney universe, because that is what we do. Last week, we talked about some live-action movies, and the day we released our podcast, later that day, they announced that the next live-action movie is in the works, and this is Pinocchio, which actually made me think of the old Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie. Was that not Disney? It was. Yes, They've had two incarnations already. They had the JTT version was in the mid What was the Drew Carey one? And the Drew Carey, yeah. It was what? a made-for-TV. I remember that. Where Drew Carey was Geppetto, yeah. So. Are you serious? I had no idea about that one. Yeah, look hey, it up, kids. He's Bob Barker. He can also be Geppetto. <laughs> was it pre-weight loss? Uh, yeah, it's definitely fat Drew Carey. But not, <laughs> not like Drew Carey at his fattest. I'd say, I think it was like late 90s, early 2000s. Wow. Medium fat Drew Carey. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Anyway, so I I don't know if we know anything about director or anything, but it is officially a Disney production, and they're putting together a live-action Pinocchio. Well, we besides live-action remakes of animated films, we also talked about the trend of making movies into attractions, and we talked about three and a half, kind of, if you count The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Well, apparently they're out of attractions mm. to make movies out of, because they went back to one of those three, and that is The Haunted Mansion. And it looks like Guillermo del Toro, who has been in talks to make a remake of Haunted Mansion forever. Well, I shouldn't say remake, because hopefully no, no, no. it is nothing like the first one. <laughs> it's like re restart. It's like Hulk 2.0. Yeah, reboot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's try this again and make it not to suck. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully it will, because not only is he at the helm, but it looks like it will star Ryan Gosling, who has kind of made for a name for himself in the last several years. Yeah, they, they initially announced Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's uh, attachment to this project. I think it was like in 2011, 2010. Long time mm-hmm. ago. And it was like an official thing. It wasn't just like an internet rumor. I think it was at either San Diego Comic-Con or the D23 uh, conference. It was something like that. So it was a very public, very well-known thing where they kind of announced that he's going to be taking the helm of this film. And then it kind of disappeared after that. And people kind of speculated, but now this resurge that Ryan Gosling may be attached. So that really got a lot of people, including myself, excited that this project may finally come to fruition and it may actually happen. Because the Haunted Mansion deserves, if it's going to have a film, it deserves something good. Mm-hmm. And Guillermo yeah. del Toro has the reputation 
of kind of being creepy and different and odd, which I think just fits perfectly with the Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, listen, you, um, Derek said starring. Jeremy used the verb attached. Now, mm-hmm. now, when I was reading, is, is Ryan Gosling starring in it or is he helping him create it? That's a good question. Let me pull it up right here. Because I was unclear on everything I read because it kept talking about how he's joining forces, mm. how he's got his new um, Lost River movie, whatever that yes. is, and all this sort of stuff. But I never read like he's starring, he's helping, he's producing, anything like that. It's just he's there. You know, okay, this comes straight from therap.com, who had the exclusive of the story. So whatever that means. Um, the Lost River director is in talks to star in the Supernatural family film which is in development. Just as his directorial debut, The Lost River hits, or excuse me, not The Lost River, hits theaters this weekend, <laughs> Oscar-nominated actor Ryan Gosling is in talks to star in Guillermo del Toro's Disney movie Haunted Mansion. It's funny because the day of the Oscars, when most people's eyes would be focused on their TVs, Ryan Gosling and Guillermo del Toro snuck away to Disneyland and spent the day there because there was a picture of them riding Radiator Springs racers together. Uh-huh. And this, when this announcement came out earlier this week, Twitter collectively said, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wondered why they were there together. It also said they rode the Haunted Mansion as well as Space Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, and Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, why wouldn't you? It's yeah, they like announced the it first at, at Comic-Con in July 2002. 10. So it's been Shoot. almost five years. Wow. So this oh. thing needs to get going. Yeah. Um, well, in other news, this is more park-related. This week was the opening of something that Matt has expressed interest in several times on this podcast, and that is the Boathouse Restaurant in Disney Springs. Have mm. I? Yeah, you've been so, I was going <laughs> to say, are you joking? <laughs> Um, okay, well, now that they've announced everything and you've kind of seen what it's like, does it live up to expectations? How do you feel about it, Matt? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's very nice. And today I was just looking at some of the photos from inside, and it looks like everything uh, I was hoping it would be. It, it, boathouse, it's nautical, which is different from, like, islandy or something. So don't think islandy, think nautical. You know, like life jackets and portholes and um, coats of arms and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's what we're thinking here. And the menu was released um, shortly before the opening, and it also looks amazing. All the photos look terrific, so uh, I'm excited to try it soon. Very controversial on the Twitter as far as the price of some of the items on the menu. For instance, now listen, I'm all about having a high price steakhouse on property. I think that's great. If you can afford it, go. If you can't afford it or don't want to afford it, don't go. That's my libertarianism yeah. in me, all right? Yeah. But people complaining, and I wanted to get your opinion, $112, I think I saw for a steak. 115 but it's for two people. Oh, oh, well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's like, don't get me wrong, that's outrageous. And as far as I know, it's all a cart. So, like, if you want, like, a baked yeah, potato is. with it, that's another $9 or the something asparagus, like that. The asparagus, a side asparagus. of asparagus, $21. Yeah. Yeah. It's 20- a lot. One dollars. <laughs> That's dramatic. That's expensive, stinky pee. Yeah, I had looked at the menu and I saw a few things that looked, um, you know, very expensive. But there's, but there's also in between things that are are very reasonable. I mean, for a Disney restaurant and a nicer one at that, um, such as the Berkshire pork chop, 
which is 12 ounces and would certainly be good. And you know, that's $27, and that's towards the upper range of some of Disney's regular table service um, things. But that that's not too bad. Uh, some of the fish, you know, 31, 32. Um, they do have this beach and sea lobster bake for two people, which includes lobsters, clams, mussels, sausage, potatoes, corn on the cob, very much like a like a steam pot at like Joe's or something. That's 60 bucks for two people. That's not terrible. Um, so there's some in-between options. It certainly is a little elevated in the pricing, and I'm not sure why that is, but um, unless it's just really, really good. I haven't eaten there yet, so I don't know. Well, you know, Fulton's Crab House is pricey, and I'm sure they book. All, they, you know, they, um, you don't sell out. What do you do when you fill up? Um, I'm, don't they fill up all the time? And, and they're pretty pricey, too. So, oh, you mean reservations? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah, yeah. So I'm sure yeah. there's there's a market for it, obviously. And if the food's good, people are going to spread the word, and it's going to be fine. With these prices and the a la carte setup, I mean that's very much like in line with a Ruth's Chris or a Morton's or something. They do yeah. the same thing, and the prices are very similar. Mm-hmm. I don't and know I the think it's going to be but. this kind of thing will definitely be more successful at Downtown Disney or Disney Springs, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, than in a theme park, per se, because this oh, is the yeah. place where people are going to dress up nice, they're going to go and enjoy the evening, and you know it's going to be a, a, in my opinion, it's more of a date or a nice celebration place yeah. where you're going to go to relax and plan to stay a little bit longer than you know your average restaurant visit. At least I would. Sure. Well, so. what I really want to talk about, not the menu, not the decorations inside, are the amphicars. Have you seen yeah. these? I have. These are the vehicles that drive on pavement towards the water, and then the little uh, where the pr- propellers start working, and they float on the water. And for $125, yeah. you and two friends can take a guided tour of this this body of water. I guess it's the huh. springs. Yeah, so I don't think food is included in that, but hey. Uh, no. Hey, look, I have... One friend and two friends right here. So let's go. Who's got the money? All right. I mean, it does seem pretty cool. The website said this is the only place in the world you can take an amphicar. And I'm like, why wouldn't other places offer that? I don't get it. Unless it's that kind of specific Maybe. Because I know the old story about LBJ and his Texas ranch. He had one of those amphibic cars or whatever it was. Mm. And he would drive guests around drinking scotch out of a paper cup. And he would act like the brakes went out and start screaming and drive towards the water. And they'd all freak out. And then, of course, you know, they'd go in and float. Well, it is nothing new. I mean, it's it's all-terrain vehicle is all it is. It's just dressed up to look like, you know, like a 1950s convertible or something. Right. Uh, It works just like anything that the Duck Commander Rambos would drive in in the water. I think it goes fairly slow in the water, too. Oh, I'm sure. Wait, was that a... Was that a Duck Dynasty reference on this podcast? Yeah, I also called them Rambo, Rambos. Right, right. that that <laughs> that's definitely mild. Uh, you could call them, but okay, whatever. I certainly would not be paying one hundred twenty-five dollars to have a tour. No, to drive one maybe. Drive one would be fun, but look over there is Goofy's Candy Company, which you just left, and over here is the T Rex restaurant, which you've seen a billion times. No, I thought I got to drive it. Never mind. No, no, no. No, they have like little skippers with caps on. They yeah, that would be dumb. Yeah. And you probably have to tip them too. So, it's... yeah. Am I making this up? But do they have paddle boats out at Downtown Disney? I I have never seen them. 
Maybe okay. once upon a time. I want to say I saw them one time. Those are the worst ideas you could ever have. Because mm. if, if, you, if you're if you not a, in very good shape, your calves and thighs be burning <laughs> after just a few minutes. And then you can't paddle back to shore. You're like waving <laughs> them down. Tow me in. Bring me yeah. in. <laughs> Help me. Turn the motor on. <laughs> okay. Well, when one door opens, one door closes. And that's what we got at Disney World. As the boathouse opens, something else we said goodbye to, and that was Captain EO over at the Blah 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 Theater, which uh, is now being replaced with a preview of Tomorrowland, the film, and it is rumored that it will not return when Tomorrowland closes. So you guys have both seen Captain EO, right? True Confessions have never seen the attraction in the attraction. Oh. I have watched the film on YouTube, but... I every time I was at Epcot and it was there, it just I always found something else to do. I mean, I I hate to yeah. be like that, but even watching it on YouTube and and I do now regret never seeing it in the 3D with you know in the theater kind of a thing. But uh, just never pulled me, never really drew me. I, I mean, I like the idea. You know, Michael Jackson when black when he was black is nice. Uh, and when black, that's great. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the Michael Jackson I remember has always been white. So to right. see this this old Michael Jackson in his old form back before the controversy, and it is a fun film as far as you know, it's this sort of '80s psychedelic, you know, uh, space adventure. It's cool, but you know, it's one of those things. Is the word you're looking for. Yeah, but it's so much more than sci-fi. <laughs> it was it was because it's not Star Trek. It's not Star Wars. It's like that tripping on acid okay i saw it in 2010 <laughs> the year after they had uh well i don't know when they reopened it but it was obviously the year after he had passed well, he and, passed in 2009 um, so yeah i've been about 10 i guess oh my goodness that was six years ago it was yeah wow i remember exactly where i was when i'm just gonna i mean i do no i do actually I do. <laughs> yeah so there was a draw for me to see it in 2010, but that was the last time. And even then, I thought this was kind of this kind of lame. Matt, that was literally <laughs> the last time. I'm so sorry. Yes. Hey, I want to give a shout out to a dear friend of our show named Carl, who often uh, you hear from time to time. Mm. He actually sent me a Captain EO attractions poster in the mail oh, randomly yeah. one day. He, I got a message from him saying, "Hey, what's your address?" And I gave it to him, didn't think twice about it, came home a couple weeks later, there was a Captain EO poster. And I still have it, so thanks, Carl. Well, while Jeremy posts that on eBay, I'm going to move over (laughs) to some Disneyland news real quick. Now, we've talked about some of the things that Disneyland has planned for their 60th anniversary, and they just keep announcing more and more, which honestly gives me hopes for Disney World's 50th in, I guess, six years from now. I really hope they do some of the same stuff. Because not only with this new parade and the new nighttime show and all this new nighttime fireworks, everything, now they've announced that Peter Pan's flight is indeed getting some enhancements, which I assume will be kind of like the Alice in Wonderland ride that Jeremy and I loved when we went. And Matterhorn, the abominable snowman, is also getting quite a few enhancements, which I assume will liken to the Yeti. I mean, I would hope so, but that's what they're going for. Mm-hmm. So a strobe light. <laughs> I mean, the original Yeti <laughs> Expedition Everest, not the one we have now. No, what they need to do is add a couple extra padding to that, uh, a couple oh. extra 
<laughs> and it's <laughs> oh that seat I, that was not words i just said but you got understood <laughs> those were new seats though so i can't imagine they're replacing those yet. yeah either that or add a chiropractor at the end of the retraction <laughs> here's your me. uh free one minute <laughs> massage um anyway so besides those enhancements what they announced today or this week had a lot of people excited and there's kind of a history to this but there's something called the hatbox ghost and uh Tony Baxter actually said that this Hatbox Ghost was part of the original attraction as they were planning it, but it wasn't actually their opening day. And then we have several people who say that they actually remember it from those first few months when the ride first opened. They mm -hmm. remember seeing it. And this was very controversial for many years because you had these fans claiming, we've seen it. I remember riding it as yeah. a child and seeing the Hatbox Ghost. And the and the Disney company saying, no, it never actually existed in their attraction. And then, just a couple of years ago... Well, I was going to explain what it is. So th there's this ghost who's holding a Hatbox. And the special effect was that because of lighting and things, um, as you went by, his head would appear to disappear... <laughs> like it, it would seem that way and it would it would reappear in this box but because you know as you come towards it you're seeing one angle and then as you leave you see another angle it didn't always quite work and sometimes you'd see his head in both places or neither place and it just mm. didn't always work right and so it was removed from the attraction that was i mean 40 uh 5 46 years ago well, officially this week, it has been rumored, I'm pretty sure for the last 40 years, <laughs> yeah. um, especially a couple of years ago when they had a Hatbox Ghost kind of figure on display at the D23 conference or D Expo, D23 Expo, they had it on display. So everybody said, oh, it's coming back. Well, officially this week, they announced that as part of their 60th anniversary, they're putting the Hatbox Ghost in Haunted Mansion. So I assume... In 40 years, they have finally discovered how to make this effect work properly. I would hope so. And this is funny because this is kind of like Disneyland's, like, booyah to the Disney World. All the enhancements <laughs> that we have gotten. I mean, Haunted Mansion has gotten some serious affection since 2000. Well, before 2009, when it reopened in 2009 with the upgrades. And then uh, the Hitchhiking Ghosts were updated after that. And then the, um, the queue was updated. And so this is just kind of like... This this is the topper on the. This is the. Uh, well, how do you say it? Cherry on top. This is the one the up. This oh, is the one yeah. up that Disneyland is doing that Disney World cannot just cannot top. You just can't come back and do anything. I don't know they add the hat box ghost, but even then, it's just the the update to end all updates. Yeah. Is the well, it's interesting ghost. because I still remember uh, it was like 2008 or something around there where all of a sudden this film popped up on YouTube. And it was grainy old video, on-ride video, of the Haunted Mansion from opening, you know, whenever it opened, whatever year that was. 1969. 69. And you can vaguely see the Hatbox Ghost as it goes by. Oh, it's so creepy. Is it not? And yeah. <laughs> Well, first off, yeah. I studied it like it was the uh, Zabruder films. I mean, I was like <laughs> looking at it shot by shot, making sure that this was the Hatbox Ghost. And sure enough, it was. So then people, the fan community felt vindicated because they're yeah. like, we knew it was there. We always, you know, we, we said it was there and you didn't believe us and there it is. So then Disney kind of had to eat some crow to recognize, yeah, I guess it was there. And then yeah. it got taken away. So, yeah. Couple, two questions I have. One, will the Hatbox Ghost be a major character in the Del Toro film? 
that would be really oh. interesting. If that I is, was that that would be really cool, and that has been rumored as well. Would it center? Would it revolve around the hat box? Because these announcements were made in, in, in close tandem to each other. Like, oh yes, the picture's still going. The picture. What am I like? Nineteen fifty. Hey, the picture. Yeah, the movie picture. The talkies. Yeah, the movie is still on, and they got this big announcement um, from from the, the the film community, and then the hat box goes. Uh, I think it would be really cool if they did work it in somehow. Maybe not the same cartoony iteration, but, you know, a legend of this house that revolves around this this uh, this mysterious hatbox man. Question number two. The Haunted Mansion has always prided itself on being the home of 999 ghosts. Does this mean there will now be a thousand? Do we have to change the audio? I bet they'll get rid of one. It was their opening day, so it was always one of the 999. He's just reappearing. I bet they'll brand it like that. He's just reappearing. That's a good thing. Yeah. Or they'll take the opera lady out. <laughs> I hope not. No, for it's real. It's not like there are 999 figurines in there. They'll be like, uh, you, just, you haven't seen him for 40 years. He's just... Uh-uh. Re- there are. Uh-uh. We, we never saw the bathroom. They could be hanging out in there. <laughs> He's That's been for- on the John for the last 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. speaking of the Hatbox Ghost, makes me think of characters that are specific to the parks that a lot of people don't know the backstories of, which is what we're going to get into later with the Orange Bird and Figment over at Disney World. But before that, I think we should have some story time with another round of... Did that really just happen? Curiouser and curiouser. If it's okay, I think I'm going to go first because I have a feeling your stories trump my own. But my story is not necessarily funny, but it definitely made me ask, maybe out loud, (laughs) did that really just happen? When Jeremy and I went to Disneyland, we rode Splash Mountain, thinking this is going to be an exact, exact replica of the Disney World version. So we're riding along, and of course the boat's different, like you sit like straddle style rather than two by two by two. And uh, there really aren't that many animatronics as we go. Do you remember this, Jeremy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a very long time before you see any animatronics. You're kind of just, it's kind of just like a normal log ride for a while. And we're out and about. And the whole time I'm thinking, I mean, this is fun because it's still Splash Mountain, but it's just, it's not really the same. And so when we get to the last lift, I'm like, okay, now it's about over. We can move on to the next ride. Well, after all that disappointment, and now maybe I'm giving it, not enough credit because it's still fun but after all that when it's like okay well this is the end we can we can move on we got absolutely soaked on that last drop which you just don't get at disney world or at least i haven't in a very long time but it was like head to toe dripping and it's like are you are you kidding me like you're not even gonna put animatronics in here i mean they did but and then you soak it i'm pretty sure at that moment we decided on the spot to just walk over to the other park and ride is that right we we just yeah. went over and rode the big raft ride because we're like we're already soaked at this point yeah. but that's definitely the wettest i've ever gotten on a disney we're, we're not really fans of getting wet at least i'm not no you I more than me i'm okay with it i just didn't expect it i don't like yeah. that feeling when you then then even when you get dry you have that feeling of being well then why do you ride it moist well i love splash mountain is my favorite ride at the magic kingdom because of the story and the animatronics and if I could, like, get off the boat <laughs> for the drop and get back on after the drop, I would be fine with that. Yeah, they're very similar in a lot of ways. But, I mean, I, I remember riding Splash Mountain at Disneyland the one time I got to go in when I was 10. 
but they they seem very similar. But the ride systems are are very different. Uh, the the one at Disneyland is very much like just an old traditional log flume style, yeah. where the log is freely floating in this channel. I remember it being deeper down. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. I, yeah. I remember the channel of water being kind of deeper than than the one at Disney World. So I, I felt a little more separated from the the scenes. Okay. But yeah, those do get you a lot wetter. Oh man. More wet than like the. The Magic Kingdom has that little lip on the front that kind of makes the water just kind of go out. Yeah, maybe that's it. And then it, it kind of, you get kind of splashed as you go through it, but it's not like complete log. The only soaked. time that I have gotten soaked, and this was at Magic Kingdom in Orlando here, and that was, I was with three friends, and um, at the time, one of the friends was, was very heavy. He has since lost a lot of weight, but uh, anywho. Yeah, shout out. But I mean, we're all, you know, for the most part, one of us was pretty heavy. And then the three of us are normal, average, uh, weighted, you know, 20 year olds. And they stuck the four of us in the front. So two and two. And then in the back, the four were like seven year old girls with the cheerleading. (laughs) So the boat was already like the nose was pointed into the the water as we're going. And we hit the bottom of the the splash. (laughs) And it was like, Every drop of water in the flume just rushed uh, in. And yeah, we were yeah, yeah. soaked. And it was like, next time, space us out a little bit more. Yeah. The only time I ever get wet on Disney World is when you're coming around that very first turn beside the hill. <laughs> and mm-hmm. another flume just happens to come down right as you're about to enter the building. And you're like, and it's like that pitch perfect timing. And we're always like, go, 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 yeah, go, go, exactly. yeah. <laughs> That's the only time I ever get wet is if that happens. All right, Matt. My story also revolves around uh, water and being wet. And that is my last trip to Typhoon Lagoon, which was last Friday. Um, well, the two Fridays ago. On Good Friday. Say Friday again. Friday. <laughs> Why? I'm just kidding. You said it a lot in this first season. Friday, Friday. Uh, as my wife had gone shopping, I decided to go up to Typhoon Lagoon. And uh, my my main attraction, the main reason I love Typhoon Lagoon is the uh, the wave pool. And so I'd gotten in the wave pool right as the, the larger waves were starting. And I was kind of getting hungry, so I was going to get out and go over and get some food. And um, the big waves were still going. And you know you have to like time it right because – there's a mass of people that gather kind of in the four foot, three foot section of the wave pool. If you can get past that into the five and six foot, there's not so many people and you're not on top of people and you're not going to get hit in the gonads when the big water, when the big wave comes by. So that's where I was. And you have to time it because you got to remember you got like 30 seconds or like a 90 seconds to get from where you are and out before the next wave comes. And I did. And I got past the big throng of people, so I wasn't going to get clobbered when it came. But then, you know, you hear the whoop, and everybody starts screaming, here comes the big wave. There was some kid that was literally, like, washed. (laughs) I can't even tell a story. He was literally, like, washed up on the shore by this wave. And the undercurrent was really quite strong and brought the kid, like, and that was, like, we're talking about, like, the two feet section, Okay. He had fallen down, was like washed up by the big wave, and was being brought back in by the undercurrent. And literally, like I was, I like blocked him with my legs. Like he ran into my legs. Now I didn't fall over, but the kid kept trying to get up. 
and he was just like he was just like splashing around like a beached whale on my legs and, and he kept saying sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> and he was just like rolling around in circles it was a larger little chunky like seven-year-old boy like completely flailing around at my feet and kept running into my shins but i, I couldn't help but laugh like it's okay it's okay uh so i stepped out of the way and let him wash on back out to so the- i stepped out of the way <laughs> yes rather than helping the poor well he was just playing playing around it wasn't like he's drowning he was just like oh okay flobbing so- around at my feet <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I lifted up my hand and there was a Band-Aid on it, and I was going to no. call shenanigans on that story if you did. <laughs> no Band-Aids. Okay. Well, my story does not involve water, but it happened when I was at Epcot back in February waiting for Derek to land in Orlando when we went to Universal. And I was walking around um, Epcot, and in one of the shops or stores, I forget which one, a man was walking and it's like and i've seen this several times but it's usually only with like middle-aged men i never see it with younger people or women it's always men that are like 50 60 and for whatever reason they feel they find this uh, attractive he had short hair like buzzed like a buzz cut on the back of his head in the buzz cut was shaved mickey mouse's face and head and i like stopped and i was like what and it was to the point that i actually stopped him and i was like sir i need a picture <laughs> can, <laughs> I, can i please take a picture of your head your head and at first he was like what he's like oh yeah i forgot i had it <laughs> and i was like yeah oh. and i'm like listen i'm all about I, this i love disney you will never see Mickey Mouse shaved into my head. And <laughs> this guy, even if you're a big Disney fan, like, don't you have to go back to work? Like, your vacation is a week long. What are you going to do on Monday when you show up and got Mickey shaved? Here, I'm showing you guys the picture there. Oh, that's oh, great. quite detailed. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we... You've even got the pupils and the smile and the... Wow. Have we told yeah. the story on, on our podcast before of that dude that had the... It was just the Mickey head, though. Just the three circles. Right. That's what I was picturing it as you told that story, Jeremy. From the Animal Kingdom. I think it was our first or second trip together. Was that the one where his whole head was shaved except the only... And it was right. just a little, like, Air. soul patch of Mickey's head. In the yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah. It was like a little chia pet growing on the back of his head. A but little that's quite patch. different. That's yeah, detailed, this is dude. like... This is like they had a stencil and, like, plastered it to... Except Mickey's a little cross-eyed i guess he has a fold in his head or something right there but anywho it was just you know i again i am the biggest disney fan but i have my limits so you're walking through magic kingdom and you go through the emporium and you're in the uh aisle of plushes so you're jeremy obviously and you <laughs> and, just kidding. and you see you know your traditional dwarves and uh peter pan and actually you probably don't see peter pan but you see some nice plushes and then you come across this little orange bird who ha- who is literally orange the color but his head is an actual orange the fruit and his little arms are leaves, and you think, who? I don't remember seeing this movie. Or maybe you're at Epcot, and you're over at Mouse Gear, 
and you see, you know, a mug with the spaceship Earth on it. But then beside it is this t-shirt with this purple dragon. And you think, is that Elliot? No, he doesn't quite look the same. Who is this? Well, that is the orange bird and figment. And uh, these characters, much like the Hatbox Ghost, have have gathered quite the cult following over the last <laughs> several years. Um, at, over the last decades, actually. Let's start with the orange bird. Now, if the orange bird had a cult following, Jeremy, I have a feeling you would be the president of the cult. You would sell all the. the you would write the weekly newsletter. You First off, have all it the does have a cult. It's called the Cult of Citrus, and ah. I am in it. President. Not president. There are definitely people who are more passionate than I, but yeah, I'm a member. Okay, well, um, the citrus bird, let's talk a little bit about it, a little bit of its history right after I say this. Citrus bird. Oh, I'm so sorry. The orange bird. I'm going to get to its history in a second, but they did bring it back in 2012. And I think once they did that, Jeremy, you really took an interest in him, right? And started to really enjoy him as a presence in the parks. Yeah, because to me, he's just one of the little extra charms of the of yeah. Disney World and the Magic Kingdom that I just appreciate. Sure. Um, well, if you ever want to know more about the Orange Bird, I'm going to try to give a brief history of this character. And Matt and Jeremy, you pop in whenever you like. Um, so here's how. Here's what happened. Back in 69, as they were planning Magic Kingdom, it was not built yet, but we already had Disneyland, of course. The Florida Citrus Commission who, of course, is known for their oranges or orange groves. They're really proud of that crop, and they still are. They wanted to sponsor an attraction at Disney World. So they worked with Disney, and they were going to sponsor the Tropical uh, the tropi- Sunshine Pavilion. That's it, Sunshine Pavilion, which is made up of not only the Sunshine Tree Terrace, which is that um, food stand that sells citrus swirl and stuff like that, but also the Tropical Serenade, which is now known as Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room and was going to be almost an exact replica of the Tiki Room over at Disneyland. And in exchange for this sponsorship, they wanted Disney to create some sort of mascot for them. So that way when you saw billboards and when you were in, um, you know, uh, <laughs> where they called like gift shops and things like that along the highway... They would have some sort of character that would say, that would speak for the Florida Citrus Commission. So Disney created the Orange Bird for them. Well, since they were already sponsoring this whole uh, promenade in Disney World, the Citrus, or this, I keep calling it Citrus Bird, the Orange Bird was going to be everywhere. It was going to be on signs and it was going to uh, have little characters that you could buy and stuff. And so that's what they did. And they had the spokeswoman named Anita Bryant who was in the commercials and on the billboards. They actually, the Sherman Brothers wrote a song, a three-minute song about the orange bird that Anita Bryant sang. Um, There ended up being a book about him. There was even a little orange bird walk-around character that you could meet and greet with. And it wasn't just one song. It was a whole album that they recorded of the little orange bird uh, with several songs and a book to follow along which I am dying to own. Oh, I thought you were about to say you had it. No, I that want it. That would be it. cool. And also, Anita Bryant became very well-known, uh, not from The Little Orange Bird, but because she was very anti-homosexual uh, rights and became more known for that than for Little Orange Bird. And that's kind of why her album is not available through the Disney company anymore. Right, and it's, huh. it, and it's probably one of the reasons that Disney dropped her as a sponsor, or the Florida Citrus Commission did. 
And then once that happened, things started to snowball a little bit. In 1987, Florida Citrus Commission and Disney cut ties because without a sponsor, like there really wasn't much to do with this bird anymore. So for about 17 years, the orange bird disappeared. Well, all of a sudden in 2004, Tokyo loved this thing. They love little cutesy characters. I mean, if you go over there and you see how big of a presence Duffy the bear has, you'll totally understand why they gravitated toward the orange bird. So he popped mm. back up in Tokyo, 2004, over the next several years, he got really big, and I think people probably started pushing for Disney World to bring him back, too. Because, I mean, when you think about it, if, if he was that big of a presence just in that little area in Adventureland, you, I'm sure people started to associate him with Disney World. I mean, how could you not? He's everywhere in this one section, and it probably felt like a Disney character. And so in 2012, listening to all the responses and emails and voicemails and all this kind of stuff, Disney World officially brought back the Orange Bird to the Sunshine Tree Terrace uh, Jeremy, the um, Imagineer, you've always followed Jason Grant, right? Yes. He played yes. a large role in bringing the Orange Bird back. He designed t-shirts. He designed the new character poster. And so now when you go through Adventureland and you see this Orange Bird, you'll know that it has such a rich history with Magic Kingdom in Florida specifically. And I, I, it's other places now, but that's really where it originated and it has a huge tie to that park. The irony of this uh, of this whole thing is... That we were talking about the orange bird, and just a month ago, the Sunshine Tree uh, Terrace swapped places with the Aloha uh, Isle, and the sun, sh- uh, the little orange bird has disappeared, and he has not reemerged. Oh, he I thought flew he did. Away. No, he, as far as I've seen online, he hasn't come oh. back. They're still looking for him. So <laughs> he was there in 2012, <laughs> and now without any kind of a warning at all. He has Gone. disappeared once again. And it so, happened in like a day. Yeah, it was overnight because like yeah. they didn't even announce that they were switching locations. It was I just did like, like the switching locations. The Sunshine Tree where Aloha Isle used to be is still very crowded, and the lines get wrapped around. At least there's more lines for the Dole Whip over there. Yeah, but the ironic thing to me is that they just announced all this new Orange Bird merchandise, and they were really pumping him up, and now all of a sudden he's gone. So I hope they bring him back. You know, they just kind forgot of, about uh, him. Oh, that would be the saddest thing, but it would not surprise me at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's going to be a theme park connection in a couple of weeks on yeah. sale. So. Well, just about uh, two months ago when they when they released the new T-shirts for, like, Dapper Dan's and such, there was one for the Orange Bird, too. They had a whole line of stuff for the Orange yeah. Bird. Yeah. So and I his, can't imagine he's gone for good again. Well, the poster on Main Street has disappeared as well, Uh-oh. or on the tunnels on May, going into Main oh, Street. No. So I do hope he reemerges because, again, he is that nostalgic little charm that – really from the beginning has been around and like you said a lot of people started to associate the orange bird with walt disney world and i hear stories and 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 i've heard people talk about how when they were driving to walt disney world and maybe even matt has a little bit of this they would see the the posters or they'd see the billboards or they'd see all these things and they knew oh we're getting close to walt disney world because we started to see the little orange bird pop up and then we got to walt disney world and there he was and so there was a, definitely a strong tie to the parks with this character, almost, almost, in some ways, more so than Mickey Mouse, as far as people associating. Well, he was sort of the uh, he was. He, he, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he kind of sort of became the 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 icon. Uh, what do you call it? The mascot for this whole Florida Project thing, right? Before even Walt Disney World had opened. You said 1969. So, like, for those two years, he was kind of the face of 
the Florida project for Walt Disney World. Yeah, that yes. really might yeah. be true. Yeah. Do you own any Orange Bird merchandise, either of you? I have an Orange Bird pen, and then I have here in my office, I have the. Oh, that's Orange one of Bird my favorites. Sippy cups here. Yeah, the yeah, reason that's nice. I love that little. Uh, if uh, you can't see that listening at at your home, but Jeremy has he has that little. Um, uh, how do you call it? A little plastic round. It's just the head. Cheap of plastic the round, uh, painted on eyes and mouth and eyebrows, and you. Now the reason I love that little thing so much, and I never bought one, um, is completely nostalgic and not Disney related or Orange Bird related at all. But do you remember the little orange juice containers from like your childhood? If you ever had those, that were those little plastic oranges that you peeled off the top and drank the orange juice. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, we, I loved those when I was Walmart little. Brand. We didn't have. <laughs> I mean, I, did, I don't know if I ever drank them, uh, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I really liked those when I was little. That was kind of my go-to. Sam's when I was choice sick. orange juice didn't come like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you talking about him being the mascot? I think you're right because not only was there all this merchandise, like there were mugs. I saw some bobbleheads. Um, there were little char- character figures, salt and pepper shakers, glasses, sticker books. Um, there were all these things. Uh, they said that I've read that some businesses, local businesses, even like created their own Orange Bird artwork and put oh. them on their signs to bring visitors in because visitors knew who the Orange Bird was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was interesting. A couple other things I found: um, the Orange Bird appeared in his own animated Disney short in 1980 oh. called "Foods and Fun: A Nutrition Adventure." Wow, sounds <laughs> was, terrific! Oh yeah, it was 12 minutes long. That sounds almost as interesting as the story of menstruation. (laughs) Yes. Just below it. Just below it. Yes. Um, When they had extra time at the end of class after showing the menstruation video, they would show foods and fun. I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. The Orange Bird did a story about menstruation? What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this foods and fun was 12 minutes long, and um, I read the plot, and now I don't even remember. I think he was trying to fly somewhere, and he had gotten kind of fat. And so they had told, and so he was like winded. And so they told him how to eat properly. And after doing that for a long time, he was able to fly home for the winter, something along those lines. And it's all about eating healthy and things like that. Um, And uh, all about nutrition, apparently, because there was also a 32 page comic book with three separate stories. And it was called Orange Bird in Nutrition Adventures. Now, get this it was written by Diana Gabaldon, Gabaldon, something like that. I recognized that name. I looked her up. She wrote the Outlander series, which is that like time traveling romance epic that yes. is now a TV show on stars. She huh. wrote this comic book and then someone else named Tony Strobel illustrated it. Maybe the Orange Bird will show up on that Showtime show. Whoa. Probably Maybe not. So. <laughs> it seems to really fit that story. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, after all that, like I said, kind of died down, but now he is back and Disney fans, cult fans all over the nation are celebrating. Of course, now they're a little fearful because he's gone again, but hopefully he'll come back. When he reemerged in 2012, they even uh, re-recorded the Little Orange Bird theme song. Oh, They brought Richard Sherman back and re-recorded with a new choir. The little orange bird in the sunshine tree. Anyways, they uh, put it out as part of the celebration, but they never released it as an album to buy, which I was hoping and praying they would. But I have the song, the little orange bird song, um, sung by Anita Bryant. You can find it on YouTube, and I ripped it off of YouTube. But that's really the only place you can buy it except on vinyl, which maybe you can find on eBay or whatever, the album. 
he doesn't speak, Little Orange Bird. He only that's why in the song it says, "Think of something sunny just for me," because he only can think things in his thought bu- bubbles. He never actually speaks. So, little fun fact. It's true. Um, in fact, when the uh, sunshine, of course, pa- it's true. I wouldn't lie to you. <laughs> no, you wouldn't ever. Uh, when the Sunshine Pavilion uh, first opened, there was actually a sunshine tree. Like they had built this fake tree, which apparently there are still some remnants of it in the park. But um, it had green plastic leaves, fake oranges, and orange blossoms. And on a lower perch was this small three-dimensional orange bird. And above his head was a small screen. And on the screen were projected these quote-unquote orange thoughts, these happy thoughts from a projector in the back wall. Because, like you said, he was unable to talk. He just communicated through like orange thoughts that appeared over his head and i think the comic book and the stories and everything were the same way he, he just communicated through these orange pictures and the orange bird the 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 real orange bird there uh that we're talking about that was in the the um sunshine tree is only like maybe a foot tall foot and a half it's a you know it's a small little thing i wouldn't even mind if they're just going to throw it in the back closet maybe put it somewhere fun in the tiki room or outside the tiki room, have him perched out there in the in the pre-show garden or something. You know, just sit him there where those who of us who know who he is, we can spot him out and say, oh, there he is. And the general public who doesn't know who he is can just walk on by and not even notice. Hmm. I'd rather that happen than, like I said, he just goes in some closet somewhere or he's forgotten again. And I have to wait till 2032 for Jason Grant's grandson to <laughs> reemerge him out. Hmm. Well, from one lovable character to another, arguably the most uh, lovable and well-known Disney character that only exists in a park. I'll describe him for you, and you two try and guess who it is. Two tiny wings, eyes big and yellow, horns of a steer, but a lovable fellow. From head to tail, he's royal purple pigment, and there, voila, you've got a... Barney the Dinosaur. Yay, I love Barney. You guys are no fun. Two tiny wings, eyes big and yellow, horns of a steer, but a lovable fellow. From head to tail, he's royal purple pigment, and there, voila! You've got a figment, a figment of imagination. <laughs> Dreamfinder, I'm just right. Uh, 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 not quite. Huh? I'll throw in a dash of childish delight. <laughs> No, you have a figment. And figment, uh, again, you can find him at the Imagination Pavilion. Of your imagination, of course. Yes, uh, at the Imagination Pavilion in Epcot in Future World there. He's been around since the 80s. In fact, the Imagination Pavilion was the last one to open in Future World. Um, It opened officially. Well, the uh, pavilion opened, but the attraction did not open until... uh, March the 5th, 1983, uh, even though the pavilion opened on opening day. And how he came about, he actually came about when they were working on something for Disneyland called, excuse me, let me look at my notes here, uh, Discovery Bay. And Discovery Bay never came uh, to fruition. It was just a concept. But in that, while they were working on that, um, there was a special area called Professor Marvel's Gallery of Illusion. And it was supposed to be a fascinating visit with the foremost collector of exotic, weird, and whimsical from around the world. Well, they were working on that, and then Epcot was about to open, so all hands on deck got pulled to work on Epcot. And Tony Baxter, the lovable Imagineer, uh, was meeting with 
executives from Kodak who agreed lovable? to lovable. Yeah, I guess he's lovable. I guess lovable is a an apt adjective for Tommy Baxter. Oh, I love him. <laughs> His mom loves him, and I love him as well. They were looking to uh, sponsor a pavilion. And so they were trying to convince them of an idea, and the story's told, the one Imagineer, Steve Kirk, he's in his office one day, and Tony Baxter runs in and says, hey, do you have that model for the Professor Marvel? And he said, yeah, and he took it into the office and showed the Kodak uh, executives. They loved it and decided to go with that. Uh, the, the Professor Marvel was changed to Dreamfinder originally. Anybody know what his original name was before he was Dreamfinder, besides Professor Marvel? Dreamcatcher close oh. he's native american <laughs> dream keeper he was originally a dream keeper huh Ooh, that's uh, kind of strange then he turned into dream finder and then he had uh his dragon which was green originally but kodak did not like green because they thought it was associated too much with fujifilm which is their competitor and fujifilm is uh sold in green boxes and so they said no problem and they turned him into the color purple. We might have to have a historical sketch on um, cameras with film. For the sure. sake of our younger listeners. For the sake of the... Oh. <laughs> Fuji was a brand of film. Now, we'll explain what film is next week on a very special episode. <laughs> oh, hello there. So glad you could come along. I am the Dream Finder. <laughs> Musical notes. What delightful melodies those will make. I love these flights of fancy. Searching the universe for sounds, colors, ideas, anything that sparks the imagination. Dreamfinder was originally a Santa Claus type or is a Santa Claus type uh, who's wise and older. But then Figment comes along as like a childlike character who has a very short attention span and is a little crazy. And so together... They formed the uh, the pairing for the ride Journey into Imagination, which, like I said, began on March the 5th, 1983, and continued on for many years uh, and became a lovable, lovable attraction. Now, I never got to ride it, the original Journey into Imagination. Uh, it closed in 1998, and I'll talk more about that in a moment. But I do want to turn it over to Matt, who did get to ride the original attraction which everyone loves so matt why don't you just give us a little synopsis and what you remember of journey into imagination when it closed it felt like it should have closed to everybody you know and i think the the i mean maybe a few hand handful of fan community thought you know maybe they want to hang on to it's one of those instances of something closing it develops a cult following we miss it and it was the best thing ever even though you know, I remember as a child, it was like the snooze button for everybody. Let's just go on that. You know, there's never a wait. There's never a line. You just go and sit, and it's good air-conditioned thing like that. Now, after the fact, nostalgia kind of kicks in for me, and you realize, I really would love that to come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and that's the case with this attraction. And it, the, the vehicles are the same, um, except they were blue, as I recall, in that time. And um, the track was the exact same, the layout was the same, but the ride was very different. And it started with this really um, elongated um, segment where you turn the car sideways, as you still do to look at the screens, but this was a big live-action thing that kind of made you feel like you were going in the air. And there was this large blimp-like aircraft called the Dreammobile or the Dreamcatcher, 
um, which just looked like a big blimp with all these kind of Dr. Seuss-like instruments sticking out of it, and then this big balloon-type thing pulling it up. And the Dreamfinder was riding it, or driving it, I guess. And he just introduces you to the idea of imagination and all the things that you can collect with your imagination and make, you know, stories, you know, in your head and, and all this kind of stuff. And then in the course of the little song, uh, which was a Sherman Brothers song, uh, Imagination, Imagination, uh, we can play a little bit of that and I won't sing it. Uh, Figma is introduced with the little lines you heard earlier, earlier from Jeremy. And then you just go through a set of scenes. There's not really a story to it. You just go through a set of scenes featuring different forms of things that the imagination can create from just like colors to like numbers and then there's like various um, scenes of like a horror, sci-fi, um, just all these different kind of things that the imagination can do from film to artwork to the future and all this kind of stuff. And then it just kind of ends um, as you've kind of gone with Dreamfinder to collect all these things, you end back at the Dreamport. Uh, you kind of put all these things supposedly in your, you know, in the ride vehicle. You're putting them into this port, and then you get to go experience them at the ImageWorks. All these things that you've collected, you can now hands-on experience them at ImageWorks, which was this elaborate indoor playground-type museum with all these interactive things that originally, of course, had the two stories with just lots and lots of fun activities. So that was the original the original deal. Which the second story now, as far as I know, is completely unused, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't really go upstairs anymore. Which is a shame because it's really pretty with the pyramids. Yeah, it's roped off. But so there you go. That was the original journey into uh, imagination. And Dreamfinder, you could actually meet Dreamfinder in Figment. He was a walk-around character uh, outside the the attraction and outside the pavilion and a lot of people have pictures and memories of that ron schneider who was the original costume character uh actually wrote a whole book uh on his biography and life and all this kind of thing in a large which you section own that, right which i own is it, it has some boring parts but the figment and dreamfinder <laughs> parts are, are interesting so and if you figment would like was a little puppet right on his little sleeve Yes, he was. Yeah, so Figment was like a puppet kind of a thing, and and then so Ron Disney was, should remember that when you're creating smaller people into characters, <laughs> yes. you you may <laughs> choose to use puppets instead of <laughs> full grown monkeys. Now wait, I've seen a full grown Figment as well in old pictures. Have I not? If that's true, in defense of that, Figment is the only character that really could lend itself to that concept because since he is a Figment of the imagination, he can be. A foot tall. He can be six feet tall. Oh, yeah. There is one, and he's large. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So we yep. have confirmation. Well, in and, 19- and it's relatively recent pictures, too. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Wow. Yeah, he looks good. He's I like purple. That a lot. Yeah, he's purple. He's got a little dragon, you know, and he's a fun character. He's a lovable fellow. Uh, he's not wonky eyed. Of course, this but, is after after Dreamfinder, so there's no puppeteer to to carry him around. That's true. Dreamfinder went away, so it's like, who's going to hold him? Spoilers, spoilers. Hold on. Don't get ahead of me. Oh, I'm so sorry. Or did he? <laughs> <laughs> 1998. He Journey into Imagination closes for Refurb, as Matt said. Now, again, there's always some nostalgia, but uh, it closed and there's a reason why attractions close, unfortunately, so it closed. It reopened in 1999 without any trace of Dreamfinder at all. Right. And with only little mentions 
of figment. And at one point, even... There was no mention. He was like a constellation at the very end, and that was yeah. it. Yeah. Well, they they say something else as well that um, I was reading that it uh, at one point you hear figment's voice, and somebody yell, yells like, go away! And like, so it's almost oh, like maybe, disrespectful, yeah. or like, your time's up, or something like that. Sounds like under new management at Tiki Room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something to that effect. It's like disrespecting the original attraction. And that was probably a 98-ish too, right? Yeah, they're, that they're was the same era, so. Blasted Imagineers. Well, needless to say, Journey into Your Imagination was hated. I mean, just despised by the fan it community. It was lifeless. I, got, I think I rode this, I remember it like once or twice. It only lasted for two years. Two years. So it opened in 99, closed in 2001. And uh, they, oh, during this as well, they added a new character. And instead of the Dreamfinder, you had Dr. Nigel Channing, who pops up, who's played by Eric Idle of uh, Monty Python. Monty Python. Which I like Eric Idle. He's in the movie Casper. He's great. But Eric Idle by himself in this attraction, just he was just a victim of the wrong circumstances is what Santa happened. Claus he is not <laughs> Santa Claus he was not. mushed in there I mean like cram hold in there because he was they uh, they had closed Captain EO in what like 95 94 okay and they had sure. brought in Honey I Shrunk the Audience in 96 I think and so there was this whole rebranding of the Imagination Pavilion into the Imagination Institute, which is featured in Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. That's and right. And so Channing was just kind of cram-holed into that as if it were like the extension of – like that was the actual Institute tour yeah. that Honey, I Shrunk the Audience was taking place in. And it just did not connect with people and at all. That makes sense as well because in, even to this day in the pre-show – or the, the queue rather for uh, the attraction, you have – Wayne Zielinski, who's the yeah. Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You have, around this time, 97, 98, Flubber comes out. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you have whatever that Robin Williams. Brainerd. Was. Brainerd, there you go. And then you have Channing in there. Well, needless to say, it was hated, and they rebranded it again, opening in 2002, I believe, Journey into Imagination with Figment. And with so, Figment. in a he's way... <laughs> Guys, come ride it. We promise he's here. Please. <laughs> and... If you watch the YouTube videos of Journey into Your Imagination, it really is the same ride, just with well, figment exact added. Same. They've just they just a kind of pieces of it a little fantastical. Yeah. They, so now you have Dr. Nigel Channing, which is the arguably the most. I say arguably a lot on this, but maybe it's because I don't want to say anything's definitive. It's but okay. the scariest thing in Walt Disney World is that picture of Eric oh, Idle as the moon. The moon. At oh, the yes. end. That is the stuff of nightmares right yeah. there. I mean, that, woo. You uh, know what? And I remember, I think it was in Dream Flight. If you watch old videos of Dream Flight, there was a man in the moon type thing at the beginning. Okay. And I remember being a child thinking that was very disturbing. And it's, just <laughs> very, it's the same thing. He's got, like, makeup on, and they've, like, mushed him into the moon, and he looks, uh, yeah, it's terrifying. Well, what's a shame to me is that the original Sherman Brothers song is still a part of this attraction, but it's really just that same lyric over and over, like, imagination, like the part yeah, about yeah. him being a lovable fellow, all that stuff that you quoted at the beginning, as far as I know, that's not mentioned anymore, right? Like all the lyrics that no. describe Figment as a lovable fellow. No, and it's all just that. the chorus at the end. Yeah. And the, and the whole one little spark. One little spark of inspiration mm -hmm. is at the heart 
of all creation. Okay, yeah, yeah. See, that's a part of it, but all the descriptions. <laughs> and it's not Dreamfinder's voice anymore either. It's Eric Idle's voice. So. No, it's Eric Idle. And uh, anywho, Figment is important. Well, let me say this first. May 2011, they did a big D23 concert featuring Richard Sherman at Epcot. And as a surprise, they brought back Ron Schneider and he appeared on stage with Richard Sherman holding the figment puppet as the dream finder. And Richard Sherman sang one little spark. And this mm. was like the this has happened a couple other times where he's appeared as Dreamfinder since then, but this was really the first time it happened since Dreamfinder went away. And I kid you not, people were crying. Oh, I'm People sure they were. were so moved were. with emotion that they were crying. Now, I wasn't there. I wish I was. But I saw many reports and many people confessed. When when he walked out, it was like I was seven years old again. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Eating Dreamfinder. Sure. And they just lost control. And lost uh, so, anywho, That's he has... Survival. The Holy Ghost part. showed up. <laughs> well, you know, it makes sense to me that kids really were attached to this. Because when you think of all the rides that were open when Future World first opened, they were kind of... a they they were more for adults and more for thinkers and there was all this like sciencey type stuff and to have a character that was reminiscent sort of of what you'd see in Disney movies i can definitely see why kids would have been drawn to this more than any others it's funny you say that because that goes along with what i'm going to read you from the Miami Herald newspaper monday september 28th 1981 looking forward to the opening of epcot in the year to come it says, with the opening of Epcot Center next fall, Disney officials hope to launch an entirely new generation of lovable, laughable characters. To that end, they have banned Mickey Mouse from the elaborate new theme park and declared uh, it the domain of new characters. If Fib This is a quote from Disney. If Figment's... Uh, if Figment seems to capture the hearts of Disney guests, a well-orchestrated campaign will swing into action. Disney writers will create series of Figment adventure books, Figment t-shirts, keychains, mugs, and charms that will find their way onto souvenir racks. So Figment was kind of leading this charge of Epcot is not for traditional Disney. Epcot is a different kind of a park with different characters, characters that you're not going to see in the movies per se, but they're going to be specific to these attractions. And that's why a lot of Epcot purists rage when they bring in Aladdin to meet and greet in Morocco and Disney characters. Uh, he was Personally, the only one, though. I really didn't. There was no wave of new characters. It was just Figment. Yeah, it was just Figment. But still, he... he I think he he has a, a heart for people because they still associate with that early Epcot. Arguably, that Arguably. Cranium Command guy could be counted in that as well. It kind of had its own little cult following. Not nearly as big as Journey to Imagination, but Cranium Command is still uh, sorely missed. I wonder when they brought in the first characters because they have that character spot where you meet the Fab Five or at least most of the Fab Five. I wonder when the first year was because it kind of reminds me of how we talked about Pirates of the Caribbean and when it first when Magic Kingdom first opened, it was not a part of it. And people said, uh, excuse me, where's Pirates of the Caribbean? It makes me think that people did that with Epcot. Like, wait, this is a Disney park. Where are the Disney characters? That's exactly what it was. One of those times when Disney tried to tell people what they wanted, uh. um, and it didn't work. I mean, sometimes it does catch, but this is one of the times it didn't catch. And I don't remember when, um, I think it was 87 or 90, it might have been like 91, when they did the uh, the daytime fireworks aeronautics show over World Showcase Lagoon. Yeah, yeah. 
with like the hang gliders and it was Chippendale and stuff. I think that might have been it. And I think I remember, you know, the conversation at that. And I was only like, you know, what, four or five. I think I remember people talking, you know, something about it. it just needed something. And, you know, you read about that. It needed it needed a little bit of Disney magic that it just didn't have. It was, mm. it. I mean, you give it like five or ten years, I think that the, the, um, the initial scientific, futuristic, exploration, museum-like thing just wore off. And people yeah. just really wanted a Disney experience. And so they... They started bringing all that in at that time. Yeah. Well, I think that the way Disney has kind of revived a lot of the retro and nostalgia in the parks recently, um, in the last few years, I would love to see Epcot is going to be 40 years old, 2022. Right. So still a distant future, but ne- really not that far when you think about it. Well, we were there for its 30th a few years ago. We were ago. there for yep. the 30th, yes. I would love to see... I, it, it only makes sense to me that once you they just finished the huge Fantasyland expansion in Magic Kingdom. They are in the middle of the Avatar expansion at Animal Kingdom. They are setting themselves up, fingers crossed, to do something great at Hollywood Studios. It only makes sense to me that Epcot is the next in line for that, and Future World needs it. And so I would yep. love to see an overhaul of Future World, and I would love to see in that overhaul taking figment and the Dreamfinder back to journey into imagination well now we haven't talked about this but they did announce that interventions west is closing next week oh that's right yeah so they they could be setting themselves up for something i yeah, don't know they just but. they need a big overhaul and in, in the big overhaul they need to redo ellen they need to get I rid think, of i think this could be an entire podcast at some point because there's a lot they need to do over there that is true mm. but let me just finish no go for it yeah test track is is fine Get rid of Mission Space, redo oh, yes. Ellen, uh, redo the the seas, uh, take back um, Wonders of Life. Yeah, yeah, bring back the the, the pavilion there. For uh, some reason, I think there are rumors about Wonders of Life. Well, there was the rumor about Carousel of Progress being moved there. Oh, but yeah, maybe that apparently was that's been a rumor for like a decade now. So. Yeah, I wouldn't like that. Leave. Carousel it's a round there. building. <laughs> right, right. It only makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, now, have either of you read the Figment comic book that was released a few years ago? I haven't no. read it, but I own all of them. Do you? Um, I did. I want to check those out. Yeah, it's only five five books uh, deep. So it, it was one of those things that when I first thought about it, I thought, do I really want to commit to something that's going to be like 30 comic books that I'm going to have to try to collect over 10 years? Thankfully, it's just a, a, a mini-series, so it's only five books. And I actually was going to get the first – long story short, I didn't get it, and I kind of regretted not getting it. And then I realized all the first editions of the first book were gone, and they were doing reprints. Well, our good friend and faithful listener, David, uh, for my birthday, got me a first edition number one. Wow. So then I said, well, now i got to get all of them. You know? So I went ahead and collected them all, and I have them all there in, in little packages and sealed – for collecting, but I said Figment, but it's it's Dreamfinder and Figment, right? It is. It's Dreamfinder. It's mostly mostly Dreamfinder, okay. and it's a young Dreamfinder, and he's kind of got a steampunk look to him, and uh, some people didn't care for it, but mm. uh, it's it kind of ha- is a nice thing. I did flip through it, and there's a nice uh, Spaceship Earth reference to it nice. in there, so uh, he plays his little blimp. I saw on Amazon that they're releasing a hardcover book next week, actually, that has these five collected into one. Oh, okay so the trade copy 
Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, that would be good to get to yeah. as well. Maybe I ought to get that. True confessions, when we first rode Journey into Imagination with Figment, Figment kind of annoyed me. And I think that's just a testament to what Disney has how they've warped this character from what he was originally intended to be. Yeah. And that's a shame. And now of course the more I know about him, the more, as Jeremy would say, lovable I find him. But that was my first impression. They've made him um well, what would you say? A trickster. They made him a Yeah, he's like a rascal. Yeah, he's pranky and mischievous. <laughs> How old he's are a you? Rascal. <laughs> yeah. You little rascal. A little prankster. No, that's what he is now. You know, and he's just kind of there messing up stuff and, and can't concentrate. And he was always, you know, um you know, not not flighty. He was always very energetic. And like uh yeah, his attention span wasn't very long. But I don't know. He 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 wasn't mischievous like a little like a little sixth grade middle schooler or something. He was uh, just lovable, yeah. you know. Figment, just like the Orange Bird, also appeared in some educational films as well, and some of them are floating on YouTube. There's actually like ten or so. I, I watched looked on one list. just today. Yeah, I I YouTubed them, and there's animated. He's like in an animated setting, and then there's a really weird one, and there's only thirty three seconds of it on. Peter Pan it's, and Alice? Yes, and it's like oh a live-action Peter Pan. It's some kid guy playing Peter Pan, and Figment's in it, but you only see like a glimpse of him. It's like, a bad, it's like a bad dream. Oh, it's horrible. It's, it's, it's like they're weird. locked in this – they're like in a room. It's, it's really bizarre. I'll yeah. send it to you, Derek, and maybe okay. we can put it in the show notes for people yeah. to see. But don't judge Figment based on this, but it was mm. just a weird thing. But uh, yeah, Figment you know, is, is a character that needs to last and needs to endure because – Again, he's part of that original Epcot charm, and uh, and I think he's still relevant today. People still like him. They have tons of merchandise, uh, Figment. In fact, the other day when when I was there, uh, they have a he wears a yellow shirt that says Figment on the front, and they sell that shirt now. And I was like, that would be such a fun shirt to have. Definitely, uh, yeah. So, well, hopefully we've go. educated our listeners, and next time they go to the park and they see that little orange bird or that little purple dragon, they can. Give a little smile, maybe a wave, and say thank you for what you've brought to Disney World. Educate the people around you in the queue when they're right. trying to say, that's Elliot from Peach Dragon, or that's uh, that's from that movie. Uh, it's like, no, it's not from a movie. It's actually an original Epcot character. There you go. Were you having trouble thinking of another orange bird? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling me out on this that. This Tweety Bird. <laughs> it's freaking Tweety Bird. Yeah, yeah. With jaundice. <laughs> this could be under did that really just happen? I still remember waiting for the afternoon parade at the Magic Kingdom, and the and then it started, and the Pinocchio float came through, and Geppetto was there, and the lady going, "That's Albert Einstein." Yeah, and I wanted to be oh, like, yeah. "Lady, the bus to Universal leaves in a half hour." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we sign out, we do have one matter of business to take care of. We have. A listener email that we would like to respond to. So over to our official reader, Matthew. Yes, we received some listener feedback from Carolyn. And Carolyn wrote in last week saying, While doing research for my first trip to Walt Disney World in early May 2015, coming up very soon, I stumbled across the Mad Chatters podcast last week. From the first 15 minutes in, I was hooked. I've since listened to all previous podcasts on Stitcher, so clearly you guys are running an amazing show, or I have too much time on my hands. And then she asked <laughs> Probably the latter. Yeah. Number one, uh, should we ride Stitch's Great Escape? 
even just to say we did it, or should we just run like heck at the faintest smell of chili and dog crap? Which <laughs> I think she's got chili dog. I don't know where crap. <laughs> I don't remember that, that part. Smell sometimes, yes. That is someone in the room. If you smell that, yes. you definitely need to leave. <laughs> Which is certainly a reality. It's a possibility. Should we tackle that question first? Oh yes. sure, yeah. So so should I ride Stitch's Great Escape, even just to say we did it, or run? Well, first away? of all, thank you so much for those comments. That's very nice, and thank you for listening to all those podcasts. That is definitely dedication. I personally would say definitely ride it because I would hate to think that someone did not experience something at Disney World just because my personal opinion is that it's not great, you know? So I say try it, make your own opinion. Even if I was 100% sure you would hate it, okay, 95% sure, I would tell you to try it. But you might like it. There are people that love it. So uh, you might be one of those people and, and, you know, to each his own. Don't wait more than 10 minutes in the queue if it, if it says it's I don't think that's minutes, even possible <laughs> I know yeah well, you never know <laughs> if you just kind of stand outside and wait for three shows to go and then walk in that's the only way you'd wait 10 minutes and if nothing else you may hate it or you may hate love it which is also a thing like I do with Poseidon's mm-hmm. Fury like it's so bad I love to ride it just to so laugh bad. so be sure to write it and then let us know your thoughts when you absolutely do. yeah um, her second question is about a show we did recently on our, our characters, uh, the good, bad, and the ugly Disney characters, and a discussion we had about Abu. She said, how often does Abu meet and greet? After listening to you all talk about him, I've decided I must meet this train wreck. And, <laughs> Carolyn, yes, the pictures prove he is a train wreck. Just train wreck. Wow. Strange, wonky-eyed. Uh, I, I don't know how to describe him, but I don't think there's a schedule for Abu. There's there's a schedule for Aladdin, and I think it's Aladdin and Jasmine in Adventureland. Every once in a while, the genie is there too, and then I've seen Aladdin by himself. I've seen genie by himself. So there's all these combinations. Only that once about a month ago that I see the Abu character. Have you guys seen him there? The only time I have seen Abu scheduled there. Is during the Halloween party and the Christmas okay. party. Uh, any other time, it's just been like an add-on as far as I can tell. I've never seen him as far as like walking up and just, oh, there's a boo. Well, now that I say that, maybe once. But it, I know it's never like a scheduled thing. It's only during yeah. the Halloween party. Is It absolutely is advertised as a boo being there. Yeah, so you're not going to find a schedule. I'm in the same boat as our listener here. I want to see a boo. In fact, I think we should have a scavenger hunt. And if you can send us a picture of you with a boo taken after this podcast was released, I will send you a prize. So have at it. But yeah, I've always wanted to meet this character. Train wreck, though, he may be. Train wreck. And don't call him train wreck because he has feelings, too. (laughs) Uh, She has one more question for Derek and I. One more question, Derek and Matt. Why is Pocahontas your least favorite film? Was Home on the Range not a valid choice? Um, okay. And you go ahead re- and answer first. Okay. She's referring, I believe, to the page on our website, madchatters.net. You can click the yes. chatters link, and we've answered a few questions about ourselves. And for least favorite movie, we both put Pocahontas. And you know what? And you all, you both have hated on Pocahontas a couple times on this podcast. She, I think she's right. I think Home on the Range is my least favorite. Uh, officially, like, I think it's the poorest film. 
But I think Pocahontas for me is the biggest offender just because it was right in the middle of all those really great Disney films. Yeah. Because it came right after Lion King and then There's right around that. the same time as Toy Story, which I know was not Disney at the time. But all the stuff. And then Pocahontas was has this great music written by the same people who did the music of those other films. And it's just... It doesn't have great music. I actually like the music. That's the saving grace of Home on the Range, and that's why it's not mine, is um, I appreciated the setting of the movie, Home on the Range. I appreciated the artwork for the movie. Uh, It's very beautifully animated. The music is terrific for Home on the Range. I mean, terrific. Uh, Pocahontas has none of those things. Mm -hmm. I didn't care for any single part of Pocahontas. And here's the thing I would say when you're looking at Pocahontas, it's the first Disney film... To, it's very strange in that Disney has always done fairy tales, um, legends, uh, adapted books and novels. This was like certified historical fiction in the worst way. Because it was historical fiction, but then they added to the story how he couldn't understand her. But once she said, listen to your heart, all of a sudden he spoke her language. <laughs> Derek yeah. hates that and has such a hard oh time. Oh my gosh, it. it makes me I mean, so mad. He, he can watch Peter Pan and you can fly, and he can watch Dumbo and those. No, kinds. but this was that's a real. Fine. That's the but thing. But listen that, with your heart. That's too far, kids. It's no, the no, wrong no. Thing. No, it's the wrong setting for any kind of fantastical elements. Exactly. It's like, what are you trying to be historical fiction? Uh, the animals don't talk. I mean, now they have personalities, but the animals don't talk. It's very real. It's based on based loosely based on real events that happened. Then you suddenly have John Smith uh, receiving the gift of interpretation <laughs> and, and his talking able- tree. Yeah, it's just all so it's just all so bad. The whole thing is just bad. And the Disney parks really have embraced it. Whereas Home on the Range, if you don't want to watch it, you really don't have to. But if you don't want no. to watch Pocahontas, you still have to face her everywhere in Disney World. Fantasmic. The whole segment uh, on Pocahontas. Man, that's some hate. I don't want to end on a negative note, though, so well, say something positive. Well, then I'll share a fun fact. Okay. Pocahontas was supposed to be a huge thing, and only, like, the A team worked on it, and Lion King was supposed to be, like, the B movie that... And like then, the in-between. Yeah, because Pocahontas was supposed to be West Side Story. It's supposed to be, you know, she's from this side of the tracks, and he's this side. Uh-uh. And they... <laughs> yeah. Not just to compare it to West Side Story. Not only did I, but Jeffrey Katzenberg did as oh, well. Oh, my so, goodness. Well, then it's way off of what they expected it to be then. But, oh, sorry. Yes. I just said end on a positive note. I will say, when I did see... Is it in that animation academy, maybe, where they show that originally there was supposed to be a raccoon, the hummingbird, and a turkey? Yes. And they cut the turkey. I say bring back the turkey. It might improve bring it. Bring the turkey. That might have helped things yeah. out. You just throw a turkey in anything. I, it's that's what I said. That's my motto. It's my it's my uh, status on Twitter. Just put, <laughs> throw the turkey in. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions you would like to ask us or any comments about things we've said or things you want us to say, send those to comments at madchatters.net, including those photos with you and Abu. Um, yeah, or, thank you for the listener feedback. Send yeah. us letters. We really, it makes us feel good. Thank Absolutely. You. Or you can also contact us on Twitter at mad underscore chatters. In the meantime, we hope you have a great week, and we will see you next week here on the Mad Chatters podcast. Bye-bye now. Take a little time to find the magic in every day.